0: Everybody, welcome to episode two fifty-five of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion, and on today's show. We are going to talk about Week Six in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Talk some slate specifics. Talk about some chalk, the cash game lineup construction. Hit on some tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots. Joey, how are you doing entering Week Six?
1: I'm doing better than uh than a uh, Sunday of Week Five. That's for damn sure. Mm. Yeah, so hundred percent brutal
0: day. Brutal day.
1: Yeah, so ready to lock in for this week, ready to talk some football with, you know, my good friend Benny H from New York, and ready to try and uh, win all of the money for this week six slate. Looks like a pretty good slate, in my opinion, just taking a quick glance at it, and, you know, hopefully we give the people what they want, and That's and that's just straight winners and straight strategy to build the best lineups possible.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, personally, we're just going to have to focus on just straight execution, sober execution this weekend. You know, we'll be 100% back on sober. the grind Saturday night live stream, back to the normal time, 10 p.m. Eastern. You know, not going to be inducing myself to, an in, you know, within an inch of life via tequila this weekend. Just going to be straight shooting and trying to get back nope, on the winning no team. No so, Yeah. Let's dive in from a Vegas perspective. All right, this is an 11-game main slate with nine games early, three games in the afternoon, Joey. I think the story of this slate, though, is going to be the Bills-Chiefs game. Plain and simple, this could be the best NFL game of the regular season. We have a slate-high 54 total with Buffalo on the road favored by 2.5 points the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he's an underdog at home. Buffalo Bills, obviously, seeking revenge for the insane playoff exit that they suffered last season very excited for this game joey the top five implied team totals on this slate buffalo 28.25 arizona 26.75 green bay 26.25 tampa 26 and kc 25.75 what is standing out to you from a vegas perspective
1: Yeah, I mean, you obviously touched on it. There's going to be one premier game that a majority of DFS players are going to gravitate towards, and that is the Bills-Chiefs game. Obviously, not much needs to be said about either team. And then if we take a look at some of the other games on this slate, you know, you have 51 total in that Seahawks-Cardinals game. That looks interesting. But other than that, there's really not too many games that are popping off the screen to me as it stands right now. I think there are some spots that we're going to want to attack just in terms of specific teams. But overall game environments doesn't look to be the best slate that we've had this season in terms of that so not not too many games that are interesting to me as it stands right now on wednesday
0: yeah so so i mean out of the 11 games we have the 54 total in kansas city buffalo the 51 total in seattle arizona like you said and then all other nine games are 45 and a half or less so these i think in arizona seattle and buffalo kc are going to be the two games that people gravitate most towards both in dfs and from like betting perspectives all aspects of week six everything else we'll be looking for one-offs and trying to find games that may have even a semblance of potential to match those let's start off with the quarterback position where i think the two most popular options this week will come from the premier game and josh allen and patrick mahomes
1: yeah i mean we don't need to spend too much time on josh allen and patrick mahomes i don't think um we we've pretty much covered the reasons to be high on this game highest total game on the slate both kansas city and buffalo have top five implied team totals on the slate and we usually know from past experience that when these two quarterbacks get together it's most likely going to result in a very high scoring affair so josh allen mahomes going to be two of the most popular options on the slate and i think josh allen is probably going to be the highest owned quarterback on this week six slate in cash games at 8200, he's just going to project a little bit better than Mahomes, and he is my lean at the quarterback position for cash as it stands right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely deserves to be the guy in cash. I'm a little bit surprised DraftKings has not raised his price. Maybe 8200 is the cap for for quarterbacks because with what Josh Allen is doing, you can make the case that he should be more expensive. He has a full 25 more points than Patrick Mahomes, so for only 200 more, you know, he's basically scored a full Patrick. Patrick Mahomes' game's worth of points higher than Mahomes has in the same amount of games. So, cash games, I'm playing Allen. I'm not thinking twice. And The vast, vast majority of my tournament pool will come from these two players. If there's anybody else that is even vaguely interesting from a cash perspective, I think that it's Geno Smith at home in this Seattle-Arizona game, the second most interesting game from a total perspective on the week. Geno has been very good this season, surprisingly, but coming off of three straight games with 23 or more DraftKings points seems like a pretty good spot for Geno against an incredibly beatable Arizona secondary.
1: Yeah, I mean, second highest total game on the slate. The Seahawks defense is obviously nothing to write home about. So the Cardinals should be able to move the ball on this team. Um, They're at home. He's put up three straight games of 22 plus DraftKings points. He's only 5,700. He's going to project well. He's projecting to be one of the highest on quarterbacks on the slate. And Geno Smith has been very good this year. Like, actually really fucking good from an NFL perspective. And he's been good in fantasy as well I just want the ceiling at the quarterback position and I want to target the best game environment on the slate so obviously I prefer Josh Allen and there's a ton of value on this slate in my opinion that you don't really have to pay down but nonetheless I think Geno Smith is going to be a little bit chalky and I wouldn't hate it if you showed up in a head-to-head with Geno Smith I just personally don't think it's optimal this week
0: I don't think it's optimal either I guess that you could make the case in some scenarios, points per dollar raw projection wise, that it's okay. But I just think that if you take into context the potential ceiling that this Chiefs-Bills game has, I I want exposure to it. I just think that it could hit a ceiling that would just put every other quarterback out of reach of even matching. Yeah. And and for that reason, like I said, tournaments, I'll be heavily interested in building around those two guys. If there's anybody else that I would be interested in from tournaments, I think it's Lamar Jackson. And this would be sort of trying to learn from a mistake I made early in the year. I forget exactly what week it was. I think it was week three, Lamar Jackson's second 40 point game in a row when there were a lot of high value quarterbacks on the slate and Lamar's apparent game environment didn't seem good on the road against New England compared to some of the other players on that given week, but Lamar ended up being what you needed when he went out for 43 and everybody else sort of busted. So with a player who has the 40 plus ceiling at quarterback this week, maybe things go in unexpected way in the Bills Chiefs game and Lamar's the one you need. So I think that he would be quarterback three in terms of my interest level for this week in tournaments.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely love Lamar. Uh, you can never go wrong playing Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes and DraftKings. So 8100, he's obviously going to be the lowest owned of the three. Definitely a tournament pivot if you are betting against that Bills-Chiefs game, but a lot of people just aren't going to do that. My favorite tournament quarterbacks would definitely be these top three guys for sure i think that kyler murray is okay but i definitely just prefer getting up to Mahomes if i'm you know getting off josh allen chalk tom brady and and rogers look decent especially brady at 6300 against this pittsburgh defense that just got obliterated by josh allen and co and we obviously know that the tampa bay bucks has some of the most elite weapons in the league Brady, I mean, has historically dominated Pittsburgh as well, and he's only 6,300. It's just so hard when they're competing with these top guys in this insane game, but would it surprise anybody if this game busts? I mean, I think the Chiefs are the least talented that they've been in the last three years. I think that the Chiefs being at home definitely helps, right? And they do play well at home and their defense plays well at home. And there are scenarios where this game does maybe score like 48 total points instead of 80, right? (laughs) Like...
0: Yeah, yeah. Of course, it doesn't have to go nuclear. It doesn't have to be the game of the year. Just because. And it, and it probably won't. Expectation. No, it. I don't know. That's though, the thing. Man. It probably
1: know. won't go nuclear. I'll put. I'm putting that on record right now. It probably will not go nuclear.
0: I think that this is one of the top ten highest scoring NFL games of all time. After this week, I think we've seen five games in NFL history that have gone for over a hundred points, and I think we're seeing number six on Sunday. <laughs>
1: I mean, maybe. Obviously, very unlikely to happen. I don't think this game has more points than their divisional game last year, which was 42-36, to 36, where all of the scoring kind of came in a bunch at the end of the fourth quarter, where they ended up putting up like 30 points in eight minutes. Will that efficiency be the same with you know, an early season game, both teams are going to be ready to go. Chiefs, no Tyree kill and really just don't have that much talent at the wide receiver position right now. I don't know if we're going to see a hundred points, obviously not, probably not. Um, I don't even think we're going to see like, I don't even think we're going to see 70 plus to be honest, but this game could easily go over. For sure
0: all i'm saying is the highest line you can get right now is on FanDuel, where you can bet the alternate spread at 82 and a half plus 2000 max wager of 200 dollars to win 4k and that i'm gonna leave it at that
1: that shit ain't hitting okay that shit is not hitting okay come back to this podcast sunday night seven thirty, eight o'clock
0: I, and I'll be four thousand dollars richer when the total ends forty three forty.
1: When when, when the <laughs> when the game ends twenty four seventeen, Bills win.
0: Max Payne. But hey, I guess we're both on Buffalo here. That's good to know. Okay, running back position this week, Joey, on our Monday review show. We were speaking about the Patriots' backfield, didn't quite have information on Damian Harris yet, and you said that if Damian Harris missed this game, Ramondre Stevenson would be the stone-cold lock of the century on DraftKings, 6K flat against this Cleveland defense, highly beatable against the run, Damian Harris officially out in this game, it is Ramondre Stevenson Season
1: Steven season,
0: Steven season.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Ramondre is a stone locked this week. He's 6k against the Cleveland Browns, so it is a good spot for Ramondre. I think he has 20 plus touch upside, he has target upside. Ty Montgomery is on IR, Damian Harris is out, James White, obviously retired, Pierre Strong, not a factor. That's pretty much it. Uh, So, Ramondre will probably be a complete three down course in this game and no matter what game script happens and personally I think the Patriots win this game. I think the Patriots are going to go on a little bit of a run here as the season starts to get on cuz I mean even as a Patriots hater I think you can admit that they're kind of notorious for starting slow and then once October, mid-October, November rolls around that's when they really start to, you know, win games and go on stretch runs. Yeah.
0: Um historically of course that's true.
1: And I and I think that we see that here and i think we get a very good game script and you know like i mentioned on the recap pod for are looking back past uh this was his breakout game last year against the browns so
0: yeah and just the path to a massive workload this week is so clear. It, the The matchup is good. We saw the efficiency last week. He has two games this season already where he's averaged over six yards per carry. And I think he's game script neutral, even if somehow the, the Browns do get up in this spot at home, maybe a couple of big Nick Chubb runs to open the game that still will not X out Stevenson because the pass game rule has been so strong. So I think that he's a rock solid play, even at high ownership. I'll be interested in tournaments. And I think that the second highest known running back on this slate will be Kenneth Walker at 5,400 at home against Arizona. We've already referenced this being the second highest totaled game on the slate. Rashad Penny is now out for the season, which will catapult Walker into the starting role. Travis Homer still unavailable. So it's going to only be Kenneth Walker and DJ Dallas in this backfield. And I think it's pretty easy to envision a scenario where Walker dominates touches between the two.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely think Walker is a good play this week as a you know home running back that's probably going to see 15 to 20 touches and should see some work in the passing game. I think DJ Dallas will definitely have a role though, um, and they've shown in the past that they're willing and ready to use dj dallas so i don't think we're gonna see him have like a complete workhorse three down roll but nonetheless at 5400 i think in cash games you're starting with these two guys and a majority of lineups are going to have Kenneth Walker and Ramondre Stevenson. Right now, it's still too early to tell whether or not James Connor is going to miss this week's six game, but if James Connor were to miss, it would be a three running back week and you would be playing Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, and Kenneth Walker in your cash game lineup and if you showed up to a head to head against me without those three running backs i would send you a head to head every single week of the season after this week
0: yep you would definitely be added to the soft dk head to heads word document that i have on my desktop add a couple yep. names every single week shout out to you guys some of you are probably on there um <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, Benjamin, though, um, has had a really solid role even as the backup. He's had four targets in every game except for one this season. So I think the pass game role would be there. And if we get the elevated workload post James Conner, I think he's a smash play at 4600 against Seattle, who's gotten obliterated on the ground by running backs this season. That is something we will definitely just have to wait and see on James Connors day-to-day. Cliff Kingsbury had some quotes on Wednesday saying that, you know, he's a veteran. He knows the system. He could potentially play without practicing. So this could be something that we have to wait all the way down to the wire to find out. Could be an interesting scenario. We'll talk more about it on Saturday, as this is also a 4 p.m. game. So could have some late swap-type questions. In terms of, like, other running backs for cash, though, if we don't get, you know— are there any other players that you think are good enough to be cash viable at running back this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we don't get Eno Benjamin, I think it's probably a two running back week, personally. Yeah. Um
0: I would agree with that.
1: I think that this is a relatively tight cash game running back pool. I don't Necessarily love the guys at the top. Obviously, Saquon at 7,700 would be interesting. I think he'd project okay. Leonard Fournette is projecting okay as it stands right now at 7,400. Um, you have, you know, Jeff Wilson at 6,200, Kamara at 67. So as it stands right now, one of those guys would definitely be my third interest if I was locked into a three running back build. And then also, I guess I should mention Raheem Mostert and Brees Hall and that kind of mid-range are projecting kind of okay right now and projecting for some ownership. So yeah, I mean, those are the guys that would be in my cash pool if we don't get you know Benjamin but I would just roll with two running backs
0: yeah I think that my inclination would be two running backs as well if we don't get you know I would have some interest in Brees Hall I think as my third favorite option just for all the reasons that we've been talking about recently like the pass game role has been there he's eating into Michael Carter's workload more and more and he just fully erupted last week with 197 yards from scrimmage he's a player whose price is going to continue to rise so play him while he's sub six K, especially against a very beatable Packers rush defense, although on the road in Lambeau as an underdog is not the greatest spot for Brees, which may just push us to some of the wide receivers, which we'll get to right now. The top of the wide receiver pool, Joey, is pretty loaded this week. We have, you know, all the elite guys on the slate. Cooper Cup, 9,700. Justin Jefferson, 89. Diggs, 84. Chase, 77. Debo, 7,600. I think that Diggs is the one that gets steam the most ownership-wise just because everybody's going to want exposure to this game. Is that the read that you have on this situation as well?
1: Yeah, I think Diggs is going to be one of the highest-owned wide receivers on the slate at 8,400. I mean, we don't really have to talk about Diggs, do we? I mean, three-plus games on the season with 11-plus targets. He's Josh Allen's number one option. His ceiling is extremely high, and this is the best game on the slate he's going to be owned.
0: Well, we shouldn't have to talk about it, but like you referenced, the last time these two teams played, they combined for 78 points and Steph Diggs had three catches for seven yards. And he has historically gotten shut down by the Chiefs, to be honest, uh, especially since being on the Buffalo Bills. So is there a concern that the Chiefs actually have Diggs number in this spot?
1: I mean, as a Buffalo Bill, they have had Diggs number. He has one total touchdown, he doesn't have a game with more than 77 receiving yards against them, and he has busted pretty much in every single game against the kansas city chiefs as a buffalo bill so do they have his number do they sell out to stop stefan diggs as the number one option which does open up you know players like gabe davis and cole beasley and dawson knox and some other guys that we've seen have big games against the chiefs or do we just trust the projection and trust the process and and hope that they don't do that but 100% they are going to like it's a it's it's a trend now. I mean, four games, obviously, still a small sample size, but the Chiefs defensive coordinator, uh, I'm blanking on his name. I know his name. I'm blanking on it if you want to just jump in and remind me of it. But he is pretty solid. They're at home and they will one hundred percent focus on stopping digs. I I can guarantee you that. But Steve Speck doesn't Yeah, Spagnola, But that doesn't make him a bad play. That's just kind of galaxy braining.
0: Agreed. I think that that would be reading too much into things. It is just an interesting note. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, DFS wise and like looking at the projections wise, I don't think we should put too much into it. But I mean, you know that the Chiefs and the Bills are putting something into it right now, you know, as they're strategizing how to play this game. The Chiefs are absolutely thinking about, okay, you know, we won this last game. We shut down Diggs. We have to do that again. And the Bills are thinking... thinking, man, that game was so close. We need to figure out a way to free Diggs up. So I think that this will be a real life point that both teams are trying to focus on, but it wouldn't give me any pause. I think Diggs would be the high price wide receiver I pay up to in cash. In terms of the mid range, I think it's going to be a very similar pool to the guys that we were playing in cash last week. Chris Godwin at 6,100. Tyler Lockett puts up 30 points on DraftKings is still the same price in a better matchup. That doesn't make too much sense. Think he'll be massive chalk, Chris Olave at 5,500 if he gets back healthy. Pretty much the same guys that we talked about last week for cash.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much the same cash pool as week five. For sure. You have Lockett, fifty-six, Chris Olave, fifty-five, if he's ready to go. I don't think he's gonna play though. His concussion was kind of bad and they're kind of uh they're kind of tightening up their concussion protocols. So don't think we're gonna have him, but nonetheless, you still have Godwin there, sixty-one hundred. You have Christian Kirk, who's fifty eight hundred, Deontay Johnson, who's fifty seven hundred, all great target shares out of these guys, all target. Upside. So I think we're going to see a ton of ownership in this mid range. And then I think this week we do have some value wide receivers that are projecting. Okay, as it stands right now. Romeo Dobbs at forty eight hundred is projecting to be one of the highest owned wide receivers on the slate. We have Alec Pierce at forty three hundred. Ashton Doolin actually just went on IR and Paris Campbell has been pretty much of a non factor to start the year. We have George Pickens at forty six hundred MVS in that game at forty five hundred. Do you have any leans in terms of these cheap guys? Are you just trying not to stay in this range? Are you gonna play one of these guys? Uh, what's your thoughts on these 5K and below wide receivers?
0: I think a lot of it will depend on you know, Benjamin James Conner situation as to what mm-hmm. price range you're in. I think that you can play digs. I think you can play a mid-range guy and then either you're paying up to another like Brees Hall Mostert type and then you're you're in this range or... You're playing Eno, and you can afford two mid-range wide receivers. So it remains to be seen. In terms of these guys for cash, I think Dubs is going to look really good at 4800 His role continues to grow. His red zone role continues to grow, and the Packers have a top five implied team total on the slate. I would be more inclined to bet on Dubs continuing to ascend than more dusty Randall Cobb 13 target games. I think that shifts back more to Dubs as the season continues. So I like him. And then MVS, just for exposure to this Bills game, I want to play, you know, everybody in this game in one way or another. And, you know, MVS has seven or more targets and three out of his last four games had a season high 90 yards last week. Maybe they go back to him. You know, Tyreek Hill has been the Bills killer in years past. MVS is no... Tyreek Hill, but he is the operating deep threat in this offense right now. That boy so.
1: that boy ain't even in the same fucking league as Tyreek Hill. That boy, God, that, no, I, stop it.
0: I, did that tilt you? I know that you're a big MVS sucks at football. Bro, guy. he
1: sucks. He's not good at football. The Chiefs have no deep passing game right now.
0: So are they you, don't. Is it unlock Sky Moore at 3,500 and 0% ownership this week? <laughs> He has seen more <laughs> snaps in two consecutive weeks. He played 25 snaps last week. He was out there just a yeah. bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely a long shot, you know, tournament play for sure. If you just want exposure to this game, uh, you know, at no ownership. MVS isn't a bad play. I think in terms of ranges of outcomes and where he's probably going to finish, he's probably going to finish with 8 to 12 points. It doesn't kill you at 4,500, right? So, I don't think he's a bad play, but he's definitely no Tyreek Hill. He's not even in the same atmosphere as Tyreek Hill. He still has questionable drops, and the Chiefs just have no deep passing attack. So it's going to be interesting to see the game plan on offense for the Chiefs uh, without Tyreek Hill there to you know potentially take the top off or break those long touchdowns that he did against the Bills when he was with them. Yeah, I'm just going to be interested to see that just from like a football perspective, not, not necessarily a fantasy perspective.
0: Yep, agreed with that. Devin Duvernay is also interesting to me at 4,700. Rashad Bateman missed practice again on Wednesday we saw on Sunday night Duvernay was very active in that game against the Bengals had seven targets and three rush attempts you know just getting him the ball any way they could but probably a worse play than dubs and MVS so wouldn't go there in Mm -hmm. cash other than that I mean I think that just about sums up the cash pool anybody for tournaments you want to shout out at this point
1: I mean I think Gabe Davis definitely gets steamed as the tournament option for sure in that game. He's obviously just not going to project as well as wide receivers around him, which inherently lowers his ownership, but everybody is going to tout that this week. Um, So if you're listening to that, get prepared to hear Gabe Davis's name 500 times over the span of the next four days. I think that there's still a ton of good plays at the top. We didn't even talk about the top wide receivers besides Diggs. We have Cooper Cup, who continuously uh, just eats for absolutely no reason. You could pretty much lock in 25 plus with Cooper Cup and not have to sweat it. Justin Jefferson, I think, is having just as good of a season. Obviously, a little bit less inconsistent than Cooper Cup, but the target upside still extremely high. Four games with 11 plus targets, you know, three games with 33 plus. He's right there for me behind cooper cup you're still getting a $800 discount off that jamar chase 7700 in a dome against the saints defense that has got beat that has gotten beaten through the air as we saw last week with Geno smith and then debo samuel in a dome against atlanta i mean all of these guys are very very good plays this week so i kind of just want to target some of these other top wide receivers besides Stephon Diggs in tournaments.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, you can still get your exposure to that game through the cheaper Bills pass catchers. Gabe Davis, like you said, is I mean, he's going to be a tough play this week just because the ownership is going to get out of control compared to his projection, I think, just with the combination of, you know, having his monster blow up game last week for 170 yards and two touchdowns, you know, and having 200 yards and four touchdowns the last time they played the Chiefs. It's just going to get steamed crazy. So, you know, McKenzie at 5K, he's fully healthy right now. Dawson Knox coming back to practice today at 3,300. Like there's ways you can make bill stacks and then mix in these other high price wide receivers to get leverage off of dig stuff that I think makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Very interested in Jamar Chase. I don't, I don't know why I just feel like the Jamar Chase eruption is coming. Nothing really to that besides a feel. He's had, thir- or, or he's had under 14 points in four consecutive games, but T. Higgins, obviously not 100%. And Jamar Chase can do it in any given matchup. So hopefully one of these weeks it happens. And I think that this will be a week where you get him at very, very low ownership. So I I would be interested in that. And, And then even the tier below that in terms of pricing, like Marquise Brown has had four straight 10 plus target games going against a very beatable seattle team mike evans will be good leverage off of chris godwin dk metcalf good leverage off of tyler lockett there's a lot of places that you can go at wide receiver this week
1: yeah there's a ton of good plays this week that's why i kind of just want to be in on the four wide receiver builds i think the running back pool this week is relatively weak outside of this the guys that we talked about so i think this is definitely a four wide receiver week in tournaments for sure and i think that there's good plays all across the board and i I think we've touched on quite a bit of them so
0: and then at tight end i mean i think that travis kelsey is a really really good play this week at 7800 he's kind of the inverse of steph diggs where you know, the the Chiefs have been able to limit Steph Diggs. The Bills have not been able to limit Travis Kelsey. He's had, what, six touchdowns against them since 2020, obviously coming off of a monster four-touchdown performance in Monday Night Football. Bills play zone at one of the five highest rates in the league, which just sets up well for the underneath stuff that Kelsey excels at, the the run-after-the-catch stuff that Kelsey excels at. At 7,800. I want exposure to him in tournaments, but he's most likely priced out of cash.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you could play Kelsey in cash this week uh, just because Diggs is going to project better in my opinion than Kelsey and he's only 600 more obviously different positions but if you're spending up you're spending up to Josh Allen and stacking him with Diggs instead of playing Kelsey but Kelsey nonetheless has routinely torched the Buffalo Bills over the last uh, two years Um, six total touchdowns Against the Bills, maybe it's just a function of how they play defense. They play a ton of zone. Kelsey, obviously one of the best zone-beating players in the league, and we obviously know his touchdown upside is extremely high. So he's a very good play this week, but at 7,800, I don't think you could play him in cash.
0: So at the lower end of the salary where we're looking to save who is standing out to you for cash games?
1: Yeah, at the tight end position, I think that we have Irv Smith at 3,200. Looks pretty, pretty solid this week. Um, we, we've seen Irv Smith have four straight games with four plus targets. I think you could pretty much lock Irv Smith in for six to eight points, and at 3,200 at the tight end position, I'm fine with eight points. I think Hayden Hurst at 3,300 could have Some ownership for sure. I think in the mid-range, Tyler Higby might be another popular option. Obviously not a sexy option by any stretch, but role is still the same. I think that we're going to see him have this role over the course of the entire season, and it's a very voluminous role. I mean, the upside and ceiling is pretty low just because of the type of player he is, and he's not the most talented guy in the world, but if you're getting 10-plus targets out of your tight end, I mean... That's just super valuable, no matter who you are, and he's had uh, four games this year with nine plus targets, 10 targets last week against the Cowboys, so from a process standpoint, he looks okay at 4,600, but I I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there this week.
0: No, I think the price is getting a little out of hand, and I mean, despite everything that Cooper Cup has done, this Rams... Team on offense has had some significant struggles. I I just, bro, they're horrible. Yeah, I mean, I think they've scored less points than the Bears. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, fourth lowest points per game through five weeks for the LA Rams. 4,600, just not my cup of tea for Tyler Higby. I like some of the guys. That you mentioned at the low end, I would also say Hunter Henry is a player whose role has been expanding. Some of that you could attribute to the absence of Jonu Smith last week, but week two, 50% of snaps, week three, 70%, week four, 84%, all the way up to 98% last week. This was a player whose role was growing even before Jonu Smith's injury saw a season-high five targets and 54 yards last week at 3,100. I think Hunter Henry's probably a pretty good bet for cash as well.
1: Yeah, I I don't mind Hunter Henry at all. I think it's a good spot for this Patriots offense, and at 3,100, he's okay, but I I think Irv Smith is probably better at 3,200, so I prefer Irv there.
0: All right, in terms of tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots... For leverage this week, I wanted to highlight something that we haven't really talked about too much this year, and when we talk about getting leverage off of the chalk, a lot of the times we're strictly talking about fading the chalk, but there's another way to get leverage against the field, and that's to go overweight, and I think that this week that's something that I'm going to be doing A lot. Specifically, I'm thinking Ramondre Stevenson, where he's such a good play. I don't want to be off him and I don't want to be in line with the field either. So if we see him come in at, say, 30, 35 percent, I could see myself doubling rather than trying to get off of him and play a much thinner group of running backs on this specific slate so somebody like stevenson i think you can eat the chalk at and go heavy if i'm making 10 lineups play him in seven and i'm overweight the field that is just another way to get leverage and i can see myself doing something similar with the chalky pieces in the bills game and just differentiating elsewhere getting leverage on the field by being overweight on good chalk opposed to underweight your thoughts on that in week six
1: I think it's probably the right thing to do. I think that he's just such a good play, like you said. I don't want to fade him. And on a relatively weak running back slate, in my opinion at least, where there's not a ton of value, this is potentially a spot where I want to come in over the field in terms of ownership and get leverage that way instead of getting leverage by fading him. Because you could pretty much lock him in for 20 plus touches, barring injury of course. And the Browns defense has gotten shredded by opposing running backs they obviously Obviously gave up, you know, the the RB1 score overall to Austin Eckler last week. Ramondre Stevenson himself has been one of the best running backs in the NFL from an efficiency standpoint. And only at 6K, I just don't think they priced him up enough. If he was 65 or like 6,800, which we've seen DraftKings do, then I would say, yeah, fade him. But at 6K, I'm not, I'm not fading Stevenson at all, so...
0: No, I'm not, I'm not. I I want to play him a lot. And I also feel the same way about this Bills-Chiefs game. And I want to over-leverage myself against the field. And, you know, everybody's going to stack this game. So how do you get different? I mean, I'm going to overstack it. I'm going to, and I guess we could just talk stacks here. I think that you can double-stack this game, triple-stack this game. I think you could play up to five players, you know, in this game, like with a triple-stack and two bring-backs. Because on a slate where nine games have a total that's nine points lower than this game like yeah are there paths to this game failing sure but not only does this game have to fail but even if it goes under by eight points and all these other games hit their total it still could be the best game on the slate so I I want to be overexposed to this game I want to just absolutely overload my exposure to all the players and just get different unique combinations and just just bet on this game being the best on the slate because I think it's such a strong bet
1: I think that obviously I want exposure to this game but I would be willing to fade this game, personally. Or at least chalk pieces, I should say. Like, I'd be willing to fade Diggs in tournaments. I'd be willing to fade Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes in tournaments, depending on Mahomes' ownership. Uh, Obviously, it's still early. Ownership is nowhere near settled. Uh, Projections, I should say. Ownership projections are nowhere near settled, so... We're going to have to wait and see on that and see who's going to be the chalk and whatnot. But I I would 100% be comfortable fading Diggs or Travis Kelsey if Kelsey becomes chalky or Josh Allen and just getting onto some of the ancillary guys for sure. So, yeah, I'm comfortable
0: doing that. I'm just, I guess, more so talking about the capability of other stacks reaching the ceiling of these stacks, especially on a week with like no Herbert, no Hurts it's really just like Lamar and maybe a you know 99th percentile Kyler game that's going to get you there this week. And if you just bet against those, I think you're sitting pretty, pretty good with the Allen Mahomes stuff, even at ownership.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they've played four times. All right. They've played four times in their career, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. In three out of the four games, one team has not scored 30 plus. In one game, both of them did. So one out of the four, both of them went 30 plus. The other three There was at least one team in the game that was 26 points or under. So historically, there are ways that one of the teams in this matchup does fail. There was a 26-17 game, 38-24, 38-20, then the shootout last playoffs. So there are ways that this game can go off on one side and the other team fails. So if you're on the right team, you could go up the leaderboard. If you're on the wrong team, your teams could be dead. Mm-hmm. potentially. Is there ways that this game probably doesn't hit its total? I mean, there is, but the, the, it's probably slim to none.
0: It's just the way that they both play in terms of being the top two and pa- pass rate over expectation and the quarterbacks being in their absolute primes, top of their games. I just, I love this game and everything about it. And I would want to be uh, on the over, even though the public is all over the over, I think 85% of the bets or 83% are on, are on the over in this spot. I'm riding with the public, man. I think that this is just uh clear as day what this game is going to be and I I think it hits its expectations in terms Mm -hmm. of long shots. Joey, who are you most interested in taking a long shot on for DraftKings tournaments this week?
1: I think one that stands out to me, just taking a look at the prices, is T. Higgins at 6,300, although he did not practice today, which is concerning. He mispracticed with an ankle injury, and we obviously know the whole T. Higgins situation that happened last week and severely tilted off that, but this could be a spot to buy into one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, and I, I mean, the Bengals offense. Is not good right now, but we know T T Higgins' upside is just as high as Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase's upside in this offense—it's a good price for him. Nobody's going to play T Higgins coming off of injury and coming off of getting fucked by him on Sunday night football, where we got no reports about his status pregame and whatnot. So this could be a spot to attack in tournaments, on the road, in New Orleans, in a good matchup, in a dome, T. Higgins, 6,300, 1%. That's my long shot. Play of the week
0: yeah i mean it would be pretty tough to go back to him i think but that's probably what makes him a great tournament play i like that don't see anybody going there no matter the circumstances for me i'm interested in aaron jones i'm curious what his ownership ends up being if we get him closer to five than ten percent which i think could happen as the week goes on and certain other players get steamed i'd be super in on him his workload has gotten a little bit stronger over the past couple of weeks, out-touched A.J. Dillon 13-6 to 6 last week, so things shifting a little bit back in Aaron Jones' favor, and he's just the type of player who anecdotally seems to score touchdowns in bunches, like he's had uh, only two touchdowns this season through five games, and they both came in one game, so that's kind of been the player that Aaron Jones has been, you know, when he scores a touchdown, he likes to score multiple, and against the Jets at home in a bounce-back spot after a pretty disappointing loss last week, I think it could be an Aaron Jones week, pencil him in for 30-plus at sub-10% ownership.
1: I like that call in uh, A.J. Dillon's role has been diminishing over the last few weeks of the season so do agree that they are probably going to more of an Aaron Jones led offense with Dylan as kind of the second option just because you get so much more explosiveness and more pass catching upside out of Aaron Jones in my opinion that it's just more beneficial for the Packers to play him more and we we've seen him have a ceiling game already this year 35 points against the Bears but this is as good of a spot as any at home against the New York Jets, seventy six hundred. Literally nobody is going to play Aaron Jones in my opinion, so I like that call.
0: Yep, and then I'll I'll have some heavy exposure to ancillary Bills guys, but we can talk about that more on Saturday as we have a clearer grasp on ownership. Joey, I'm excited for this week. I think it is going to be a good one. Lots of content for the people to consume. You can check out our YouTube videos on the channel at Dos Media Net this week. Joey's cash game video, my gpp breakdown and the saturday night live stream at 10 p.m eastern and that is going to be it for episode 255 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at dose media net as well as our personal twitters i'm at ben hover joey's at joey Carrion dfs if you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what is going on within the network you can join our inner circle via the free discord chat link to find that is in the show notes to this podcast to everybody listening out there we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic